Thanks to Audible for sponsoring this episode of Market Foolery for a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. Go to audible.com slash fool. It's Monday, October 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Not in studio. Coming to you from South Carolina and sitting next to me, investor at large, Tim Hansen. Good to see you. Thank you, Chris. We are at the Motley Fool One event, which is, I was, I was about to say, coming to you from Charleston, South Carolina. We're a little bit we're near Charleston. We're near Charleston. We are technically on the Isle of Palms uh, at the Wild Dune Resort, and uh, the ambient noise that you hear in the background is the uh, the setup crew. The happening. set being built, yeah. There's a lot of setup, and uh, and Dan Boyd, who's normally our man behind the glass, is is well, now he, sitting imposingly next to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Dan is overseeing. All of the setup, which takes hours and hours of times, and and I said, hey, can we pull you away from from the job at hand to do this? And he very politely said, yes. As long as you do it in one take. As long as we, or I'll take a swing at it. It's it's pretty much. And he's, yeah, he's not anyone I'm intimidated. Who's, who's anyone who's ever seen Market Foolery being taped knows it's one take. <laughs> um, our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Got a great question from Cam Kane in the UK. Um, with a few questions built in, but it's particularly timely given what's going on with the main topic at hand. Uh, Cam writes, I've only been investing in the last few months, and while I only have a modest portfolio, I'm really enjoying the experience so far. I was wondering if you would consider doing an episode looking at emerging markets. Um, and he, he has more to his email, which we'll get to in a minute, but let's start with emerging markets, which um, now that we are fully three quarters into 2017, Emerging markets up 25% year to date. And you and I were talking right before we started taping. First of all, that is a, a pretty uh, big and nice departure for emerging markets because for a very long time, year over year, they've been taking a beating. Yeah, yes, all those things are true. All those things are true. Uh, and yeah. you know this personally. I do. I, have a lot, I, I own quite a few emerging market stocks given my, my heritage as an analyst in that space. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, been, it's a little bit overdue. Emerging markets were out of favor for a variety of reasons. I mean, there's been political turmoil um, in some of the biggest emerging markets. Uh, obviously, Russia, we all know about what's going on there. Brazil has been one scandal after another. Um, the dollar has been uh, strong. Um, interest rates, the prospect of interest rates rising in the United States has caused people to be a little bit wary of having exposure in emerging markets where the risk-reward profile um, hasn't been that, that strong, so capital hasn't been reaching those markets. Um, it was a murderer's row of problems, and that resulted in years of underperformance for the, for the, the sector. Um, but back with a vengeance this year, I think it got to a point where if you look at a simple measure of value like the P.E. ratio, um, you know, the CAPE, cycle-adjusted P.E. ratio, the U.S. is at 25-30, and emerging markets are, you know, some of the cheap, if you look at one of those heat maps of cheap markets, you know, Brazil and Russia were the cheapest markets in the world. So, you know, that's mean reversion in some ways, but, um, you know, the 25% increase this year is nice but i you know i i think i think from a long-term perspective there's still a long way to go um, not only because the markets remain undervalued but also because of some of the demographic trends in places like india the opportunity for technological leapfrogging um, they're going to continue to be volatile sure and particularly for a beginning investor go in eyes wide open on that you got to have a multi-decade time horizon when it comes to this stuff but um the opportunity is still there and that goes immediately to Cam's next question, which is, and this is a question that we get whether it's about emerging markets, any particular market, um, or 
more often we get the question about specific stocks, which is, hey, this thing's been run up for a while. Have I missed the boat? Or is it still worth getting into? And it sounds like what you're saying in terms of emerging markets is, and, and maybe part of it is just because it has been year over year over year of underperformance that a 25% gain in nine months uh, still leaves a lot of room to run. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, all the, it's funny, um, a lot of the market, non, and, and even, you know, for people who don't necessarily spend their time reading The Fool and things of that nature, you know, for a lot of people, things that are going up are the things that do look attractive precisely because they have been going up. So it's interesting that we get all these questions from a more contrarian um, viewpoint. But if you look at like the academic literature in the space, and, and this is um, directionally accurate because I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but something along the order of, you know, 4% of stocks account for 90% of the market's performance. And so it's like a couple of really big multi-generational winners that drive the bulk of the return. Um, that's one reason why it's important to diversify because the odds of you grabbing onto one of those is so low. But the other point being that, you know, something like emerging markets, um, the story there is not 25% in nine months. It never should be. It never will be. It's always about earning many multiples of your money over many decades. And, and, and when you look at it in that perspective, 25% here or there is, is not going to, um, shouldn't be making or breaking your decision-making process. Cam is in the UK. Uh, the majority, overwhelming majority of our listeners in the are in the United States. For someone who is in the US, yeah, well, eleven out of the US, twelve. 12 <laughs> yeah, exactly. 12 we have eleven UK. listeners in the US. We got Cam <laughs> in the UK. Um, for people who are in the US and are, are and don't think necessarily about that type of exposure, what is a good place to at least start looking if you're thinking, okay, I hear what Tim is saying. Um, is it ETFs? Are there sort of indices that people should be thinking about or in terms of ex exploration? Yeah, I mean, another well-documented thing in the literature is home country bias. So you're much more likely to be invested in um, stocks in the country that you live in. Um, for U.S. investors, it's not that big a deal because um, uh, the U.S. is such a large economy and there's so many multinational U.S. corporations that you end up getting sort of international exposure anyway. But if you're in the U.K. or you're in a smaller market like Germany um, or Italy and you're owning mostly stocks in that country, your exposure to your country can be a little, a little bit more perilous. Um, but yeah, indexes and index funds are a great way to start, um, particularly because they're diversified and they're low cost, which are their biggest advantages. Um, having said that, um, I think being exploring active management in, in, in international markets and emerging markets in particular um, can be worthwhile. And the reason I say that is because where um, emerging markets are going, which in my opinion is high on the consumer spending side and on the technology side, is not where they've been. For the most part, historically, they've been in cyclicals like mining and um, oil exploration, things of that nature. So in market cap weighted indices, um, you get a lot of state-run cyclical companies and financial companies, and you're not getting those entrepreneurial tech and consumer companies, which is what you, I think you want long-term. Um, so that's why either picking some stocks or um, looking at active management in emerging markets, I think, can make some sense. But again, um, diversification, low fees are paramount to being successful. Uh, last question from Cam. Do you think there's a major opportunity for renewable energy and electric vehicles in emerging markets? That's a good question. I mean, f yeah, fundamentally, yeah, because um, pollution is a huge problem. Um, if you go to, if you travel to somewhere like Beijing or um, Bombay or Mexico City, you know the pollution is 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 bad. Um, traffic is bad, um, and so on and so forth. But the challenge 
for electric vehicles um, there, as it is here in the United States, um, is going to be reliability, infrastructure, and price at the end of the day. Um, you can't sell $100,000 Teslas in, to you know, working class consumers in, in India. It just isn't going to work. Um, it can't be a luxury vehicle. I know people are working to bring that down, but that would be the, the barrier. You've got to bring the prices down, and then obviously you've got to have the infrastructure to get them recharged and refueled. You know, a place like Nigeria, they can't even keep the lights on 24 hours a day, so can they be charging up a fleet of electric cars? Those are, those are important questions, and those investments are going to be made, need to be made ahead of any, or, you know, you could end up with better battery technology and things of that nature. There are ways to solve it, but it's going to take some, some brain power. Uh, before we keep going, I want to say thanks to Audible for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Audible makes traffic an escape you look forward to in your car. You can access an unbeatable selection of bestsellers, mysteries, thrillers, and motivation. Transform your commute, ride with Audible. And for our dozens of listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30 day free trial. If you want to listen to it, Good news. Audible has it. Just go to audible.com slash fool and browse their unmatched selection of audio content. Download a title free and start leading, uh, start listening. It is just that easy. Um, we've had a bunch of authors on Motley Fool Money whose books are on Audible. Um, I, go, I go to the lighter side. I've done like Steve Martin, Born Standing Up. Sure. Really enjoy that. Um, <laughs> Just because, you know, I, 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 don't get me wrong, love the business books, but uh, sometimes I need something a little lighter. Uh, get a free audio book with a 30-day free trial at audible.com slash fool. That's audio.com slash fool. Speaking of books, um, I knew, we were on the flight down yep. to South Carolina today along with uh, David Gardner, Robert Brokamp. We had about 10% of the plane. Did you notice that? We were not on a big plane. We had eight people from the office. There were about 80 people on the plane. Yes. Hopefully they don't start scheduling flights to Charleston from D.C. based on that volume. Hopefully, hopefully not. Um, but you were, you were uh, deep into a book that you just started reading. Um, and, in fact, you were actually um, late to, to meet me I, yeah. this afternoon to tape this. So um, I, I, tell me about your book. It's, um, it's Ray Dalio. Yeah, I'm reading the new, the new Ray Dalio book, Principles, which is an uh, expanded collection of thoughts on some principles that he first published as a free PDF on um, the Bridgewater. He runs Bridgewater, which is the multi-billion dollar hedge fund. Um, it's, I guess 30, 40, 40, 40 years old now. Um, I think best known for their pure alpha and all weather funds. Um, it's an interesting book and it sort of um, aligns with some of the things I'm working on um, just with regards to how to systematize your decision making to make your decision making processes more uh, credible and, and, and better. Um, you know, both on the investing decision-making side, but then increasingly for Bridgewater. And some of this is interesting and a little bit um, social experimenty. A little bit, some of it's a little quirky, to be honest, um, about how to systematize decision-making over like personnel and workplace decisions and things of that nature. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Obviously, been hugely successful. And anytime you get an opportunity to read perspectives like that, I think it's. I mean, that's what books are for, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Whether you listen to them or read. Exactly. Like you can do on Audible. We've got to find out if Ray's <laughs> doing one of these uh, things on Audible. Uh, a couple of programming notes before we wrap up. Um, uh, thank you uh, to those of you who listened to the bonus edition of Market Foolery over the weekend. Oh, it's a bonus edition. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a bonus episode <laughs> that, uh, that went over an hour, clocked in over an hour. Uh, myself and Bill Barker and Roger Friedman. It's like the Wu-Tang album that they only made one copy of. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> only didn't that go for a million dollars or something? It did. I mean, you can see what people are willing to pay uh, for the bonus. No one's, no one's paying you for this. You guys should try recording an episode that you'll sell only to one person. That will sell. <laughs> 
we get we get like five five bucks out of that easily, no problem. Uh, but thank you to those who have Depends written in. Guessed it. Really, got to be somebody other than Barker. Oh, see, no, I thought you were going to say it has to be someone other than Roger. No, <laughs> so Barker. People like Barker. Not everybody, but some people. Um, uh, also, check out Motley Fool Money uh, over the weekend. Um, our guest was David Kirkpatrick, who is the author of the best-selling book, The Facebook Effect. Um, and for anyone, and, and since ha- having written The Facebook Effect, uh, Kirkpatrick has uh, come under some criticism as being a little bit of a fanboy of Facebook. And anyone who thinks that he is completely in the tank for Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg really needs to listen to the interview on Motley Fool Money this weekend. It's, uh, it's, he said some pretty eye-opening stuff. Uh, and last but not least, we, we had the bonus episode over the weekend. We inadvertently published an episode that's going to drop on Tuesday. So I know a few listeners have already heard it, uh, but check it out tomorrow. It's an interview that I taped last week with a couple of non-fools, and I really enjoyed it. Um, shout out to Terrence Whitehead, who's one of our listeners in Bristow, Virginia. He heard the episode before he pulled it down. He sent me a really great note about it. Uh, so thank you, Terrence, for that. Um, Tim Hanson, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Looking forward to your talk tomorrow. I appreciate that. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. The show is mixed by the hardest working man in podcast business, Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.